0: This also is about, you know, Alice's mom's relationship with her and her saying, I don't feel like I ever connected with my own child. And that's a big anchor for the tour of grief that you go on. Um, But yeah, as far as twists go, I mean, I counted five. I'm actually looking at my notes, and my asshole daughter added one. So I had twist one through five. I can Whoa, tell. That's she, harsh,
1: bro. She,
0: <laughs> that's no, harsh. She, I love her. Um, but she has she put twist zero octopus. Uh, that's not a thing in this movie, in case no. you haven't seen it yet. Um, and it's well, also alarming how much her handwriting is like mine, because I was just sitting here for the last five minutes going, did I write that?
1: Well, you know but what, I had, Kevin? I had five twists. I, I, I sabotage your notes. When you guys were at the pub and I was here waiting for you to start the Oh, podcast. that was you? Yeah. So you just like lambasted your daughter. <laughs> oh, can like, edit all of that out? <laughs> and oh, no, no. We're going to amplify this his up. His daughter's handwriting. The... He knows it so well. I copied your handwriting. I tried to copy your handwriting. <laughs> that's impressive. Thanks. I got a blue pen. You're right-handed. Pen. I'm left-handed. This is the blue pen right here. This is yeah, the culprit. that's my pen. Give me that pen. This is from my car, sir.
0: Oh.
2: welcome to speak all evil the podcast you were warned about i'm trent here with kevin and dave hello hello cats on vacation this week vk pto it's just the gentleman this week uh next week it's back around to my turn and i've been wanting to do uh an infant horror week for quite some time, I've been thinking about baby horror, the, the ultimate horror. We're going to be checking out, I'm going to go all the way back to 1974 to check out a movie called It's Alive. This is written and directed by Larry Cohen, kind of a legend. Cohen has directed a lot of genre stuff in the 70s, um, stuff that you wouldn't necessarily associate with speak all evil like Black Caesar uh, and exploitation movies like that, but also has written a ton of horror movies, wrote the Maniac Cop movies with Lustig, um, has a Quite a uh, a catalog of films that he's been involved with. I haven't seen It's Alive in a really long time, but that was a VHS classic uh, in my day. Also, want to talk about the movie Grace from two thousand and nine. Another great baby horror movie. I haven't seen in a long time. Um, That was directed by uh, Paul Solit. I don't know if how how you say his name from Boston. He actually just I just saw a brand new movie that he did with Adrian Brody. They kind of like co-wrote. And and, uh, Brody uh, produced it, and he directed it. So um, that's next week. Um, It's Alive is VOD. Grace is on Tubi for free or VOD. This week, we have uh, a couple different things going on. We've been wanting to see the sadness for a really long time. The sadness is out on Shutter. But first, we have a listener recommendation from Chaplin. Thank you. Uh, Chaplin recommended a movie called Lake Mungo. From two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine, Australian kind of mockumentary. I thought it was found footage, but it's it's really mockumentary style. Um, this is a, a movie about the Palmer family. They uh, I thought they lived on Lake Mungo for most of the movie, but they don't. They uh, they live near like another lake, and uh, they're they have two uh, teenage kids, uh, Alice and Matthew. Alice goes missing in the lake one day. And um, it turns out that she drowned somehow. We don't know how she drowned, but her body is discovered much later. Um, And this movie is is made in this mockumentary style so that it's all like interviews and found footage. That's where like the found footage comes in. So the way it's put together, I think, is brilliant. And I loved this movie. I had never seen it before. Thank you, Chaplin. Um, I'd heard of it, but I hadn't seen like Mungo. I love the way it's made, and my understanding is that it was kind of a budgetary thing. Um, Joel Anderson is a writer and director who I hasn't done anything since that I know of. He's a writer. Nothing. He, I, you he's can written find some stuff. He's yeah.
0: like script doctored some things.
2: I can't believe you could make a movie this good on this little of a budget it. From what I understand, he was looking for funding to make a movie. Um, was having a hard time, you know, drumming up uh, investors, and so he decided he could make this movie in this kind of like um, this mockumentary format, where you can use different kinds of, of footage. You can use video. You can use things that look grainy. It's, okay. Here's a section of the movie that's from someone's like phone from 2005 or six and here's a section of a movie that's just like this is an interview that was done for a documentary it has a very true crime type feel to it but through that it weaves this whole narrative the story of alice who turns into kind of a ghost and haunts this family for for years after her her drowning her uh, supposed drowning um this is a great one this is free on tubi right now want to talk about Tubi a little bit Tubi rules I was like very skeptical of Tubi for a long time cuz you do have the ads but there's tons of stuff that's like some of it is only on Tubi Tubi's amazing like, yeah right yeah, now
0: I think on Tubi you can see like Planet Terror which is not something that you can like find you know, like anytime I want to like go back to like some of the grindhouse. stuff. You got to rent whatever, both like...
2: movies uh, VOD separately. Yeah, no, Tubi's amazing. Um, all the Masters of Horror movies are on there. That that Showtime series that Mick Garris did. I was just it's curious on Voodoo if- too.
0: Usually, you, you but you do still have to rent. Imprint.
2: Dumpling. Imprint, you still have imprint, to rent separate. you still have to yeah, rent yeah. for some reason. But Tubi is a great resource for free movies. Just go to tubi.com, and if you can put up with some ads. And like the more obscure the movie, I find the fewer the ads. So it's really not, for a lot of our purposes, it's pretty great. Um, love this movie. This is so good. I'm surprised I had never seen it. I had a great time watching this.
0: So full disclosure, if you haven't seen Lake Mungo, it's impossible to have a meaningful conversation about this movie without
2: completely
0: spoiling it. So, Trent already hinted to the fact that this is like very true crime ish. Basically, if you're a fan of Dateline, you're going to love Lake Mungo. And if you're like me and you listen to... I don't watch Dateline because I don't really have like an outlet to a traditional cable channel.
1: I don't feel like it's like Dateline.
0: It's like Dateline. (laughs) I listen to Dateline uh, the (laughs) podcast. So Dateline has done the brilliant thing of putting all of their shows into podcast form, which is incredible. And every time I listen to a Dateline episode, I'm like, can there be one more twist? Can there be one more twist? But Dateline's real life. Lake Mungo is like... The most bonkers fucking Dateline story that you would ever come across yeah, because it's yeah. like but this happened. Oh, but, but no, there's this twist. There's this the literally the most twist filled film. That I've ever seen in my entire life. It like literally, in your entire this life. Joel Anderson guy should have found <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan and developed a relationship with him, and they'd probably be putting out some pretty good fucking content. Um, but it's great. And the thing is, like, Trent, you were talking how, like, there were budgetary constraints and there were certain things that led to how this film is presented. It also is completely unscripted. So all of the dialogue is completely unscripted. So all the interviews that you see, the interviewer is Joel Anderson. Yeah, he's uncredited as the person doing the interviews. Right, and he would just sort of set up a scene and let the actors go. I've seen multiple different takes on this, where some people criticize the acting. Oh no way!
2: It's great, and I think
0: I I'm with you. I think it actually is like very organic. Like even some of the. I mean we're we're podcasters like we fumble over our words all the time and that's natural that's like a human being we're not reading from scripts and these people aren't either so it's natural that they're going to kind of like fumble over this but to me one of the most powerful things about this movie is that they take you on an emotional journey as a real family so like Trent said, Alice drowns at the beginning of this movie. They're looking for her body. Some really supernatural stuff starts happening where her brother uh, starts to set up Cameras because they think they're being haunted. So there's noises
2: in the house at night, and this guy creepy stuff is going on. Yep.
0: And he's like an amateur photographer. So he has this like habit of taking a picture like every three months of their backyard from a camera in the same angle. And they start to just see a lot of weird things. And it's really, it's actually creepy. Like this movie from a horror lens. Isn't scary. There are a there there are a couple moments that are like genuinely scary, but this is way more of a creepy and like dramatic. It's almost like last week, like my week last week with like the Nighthouse. This is almost a this is a journey through grief, uh, and I think they do a very very good job in a much different way than than you know obviously Bruckner and Rebecca Hall take us. This is a journey through grief, and it all uh, I could I could definitely engage in a debate where I find this ridiculous with somebody that finds this ridiculous with how many things they go through and like how they keep acting. But I could also uh, fight for the fact that like, this is one of the more realistic, I think
1: portrayals for a a mockumentary. I I think that like every Netflix documentary that has come out in the last (laughs) three years has just used this look uh, for their stylistically uh, it looks exactly like an actual documentary the way all the it, footage is compiled and um, you know usually like the pitfalls of like documentary or like found footage horror movies for me are usually in the the writing and the acting yeah it when juxtaposed with the blurry jittery footage and then in this uh, a lot of it, the thing that reminds me of Netflix or whatever is the photos. It's like photographs that are being like zoomed in on or you see something. Um, but it, it, it's cool like that. And, and I like that they didn't have, uh, it wasn't written. I'm sure they had a rough outline, but I thought that lended itself to not seem too acty. Um, and I actually did some research because this, this movie does a thing that is one of my favorite things in horror. And what that is, is when you think you see something uh, that is something else and the fear of that. And um, I kept on getting like hallucination. And then I found this thing called uh, pareidolia. Do you guys know what pareidolia no. It's like, uh, no. It's, the definition is here. It's a, uh, the tendency for perception to impose a meaningful interpretation of a nebulous stimulus. So usually visual. So someone sees an object or pattern, uh, it, it, they see a meaning in it where there is none.
0: Right. So that's like uh, seeing like Mother Teresa in a cracker?
1: It's like seeing the man <laughs> on the moon. It's like seeing the man on the moon or like right. when you see clouds uh they look like an animal or it looks like something. Just a potato
2: That's, that looks like Jesus.
1: Yes. But uh, it also... I it, have one of those, yeah. In context with, you know, this movie and like even like Hereditary does it a lot. I was like, what is this thing that I like so much in movies? And they, they do a ton of that in this movie. I saw Lake Mungo a few years ago and I... I watched it like in segments because it is a little bit slow. And I did fall asleep at one point, but it made it even more of like a documentary experience for me because that's <laughs> kind of like sometimes my go to is I'll put on, well, Caitlin will put on like a true crime thing as we fall asleep or whatever. So it's become a bit of a lullaby. But uh, the imagery in this is truly gruesome and shocking. The, there's a, 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 they had to identify her body uh and that is one of the most gruesome just scary
0: yeah i mean we'll we'll get into it in the sadness with like practical effects but i feel like they put a lot of work into how that body looked therefore they showed it as much as possible and it's very <laughs> very unsettling
1: i need to find the word for that too like the thing that you know they do in the ring with the slight the distortions of the you know the face uh in death or whatever we're watching one of the weirdest twists in the movie right
2: now. I it just it's kind of unsettling to to look over my shoulder and see <laughs> see what's going on right now in like Mungo. Um Kevin, you nailed a couple things. the the amount of twists in this movie is it's so brilliant the way it's laid out because you keep thinking you know what's going on. It's one thing. And then, oh no! Wait, now it's like there's another wrinkle to the story, and then there's another and another. Um, I thought it was really well done in that regard. It's about eighty-five minutes, eighty-seven minutes. I thought it flew by. Like I, I don't even think I like took a break. Watched it straight through. I think. Um, but uh, the other thing that you nailed, it's a tour through grief, and I was I was surprised. The one thing I kept thinking is how similar this is to the Nighthouse. This is the same movie. Well, Dave, what in was many the word had?
0: Pa- Parod paradolia. Paradolia. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. Nighthouse does that where they yes. keep showing like yes. just through angles and you wonder if it's just because she's seeing
1: things that she wants to see or if it's really there. I think that the the nail was hit when you said creepy. This movie is just creepy. Like that's like a really simple <laughs> well, way to describe it. and it's not just it. grief. It's not just grief.
0: It's also I, and and Dave, like I wanted to talk specifically with you about this. It's about connection as a parent like to your child. There's such a big thread through this movie that is about so different from like the the tour of grief that we took in the Nighthouse, this one has like a very heavy and and they only touch on Alice's mother's relationship with her mother, so Alice's grandmother, pretty briefly. But yeah. they, they kinda nail it home that this also is about, you know. Alice's mom's relationship with her and her saying, I don't feel like I ever connected with my own child. And that's a big anchor for the tour of grief that you go
2: on. I really loved the character of Ray the Psychic in this movie. At some point, the family- I mean, I don't know if I'd say I would liked him. Well, I'm I'm not inviting him over to Thanksgiving, but uh, in in this movie, the family at some point turns to a psychic. The mom, really, June, is is the one that turns to a psychic to like start. They're, they're, they become convinced that maybe they didn't identify the body correctly. That that kind of starts this all off Is the 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 specters of Alice are appearing and the father, who is the only one in the family who saw the body he went in to identify, he starts to question himself and, and they all kind of convince themselves that maybe it wasn't her body because it had been underwater for a while. It was, you know, the body was deteriorated and, and decomposed and all that. So they start to think that maybe they didn't really identify the body right. Um, that turns into kind of a dead end, but then there's more after that. And now you have Ray the psychic, who I thought did a great job. Again, all these performances seem like all the interviews seem real to me. Like, I hate the mockumentary interview that seems like unreal. and We've seen a lot of those. They're so stilted and like... This is like the best of that of that breed. So I liked his character. Um, he kind of like comes back around too at the end. You have at one point Matthew, the son, is now kind of turning into a bit of a hoaxster, where now he's almost like playing games with this thing, and you know it's just all about. I think ultimately, just the fact of of letting go. This, you know, dealing with the loss of this person, it's just so hard to wrap your mind around. Um, you don't really have that much closer, like they just disappeared under the lake. Um, reminded me so much of The Nighthouse. And I think I understand The Nighthouse way more now after seeing this movie. The thing about The Nighthouse is that I didn't really quite get it last week. I said last week that I didn't think the murders happened in The Nighthouse and stuff. And you asked me some questions I didn't really have answers for. Both of these movies, none of this shit happened. The Night House, much like this movie, is not about uh, Beth and her depression and her dark ideation all that stuff. If you think about it in a way that it's it's about Owen, right? Owen is a, a successful, happily married guy who's described as the cheery partner, the, the bright side guy, goes out into the middle of a lake and shoots himself. That's a, like a very specific sort of like kind of suicide where everybody says, you know, what the hell happened? You know, it's not like the, the person in Financial Ruin who's lost everything and their family leaves and they write a note, goodbye, cruel world. You know, you have these suicides where it's like, how, how did this happen? N- none of that shit in that movie happened. It was all about Beth in her, you know, her drunken grief and her kind of her own self-absorption, projecting all this stuff. If you think about how the night house begins, it's the same as Lake Mungo. It all starts with a picture She's going through Owen's phone, and she sees a picture of a woman, which is her, and her mind starts going crazy. And now she's going through his computer. She's going through all these stuff. I mean, I don't she's want to reach her herself. next week,
0: but there's a girl that shows up and says, that was me, and I That's did the only... like, go okay. make out with Owen, and he
2: did try to strangle me. Well, I think it's possible that um, Owen, the, th- the thing is, uh, okay, I remember how I was going to explain that. Um, the thing is, uh, this is... This is really quick backtracking. Okay. I'm impressed. Owen did have a dark side. You just didn't know it. Nobody knew. That's the whole point. Nobody knew about his dark side. So and it's, he can't, it's the, the he can't confide saying, that. Like, well, Alice kept the fact that she kept secrets. That's right. Secret. Alice, same thing, kept all these things to herself. The stuff she was doing with the neighbors, the whole neighbor family thing. Wow, that was crazy. So there's this whole double life that the person is leading that you don't know about. And maybe in the Nighthouse, maybe Owen did have like an affair He's confiding this dark side in other women. He can't confide in Beth because she's so un- not unstable, but she's so depressive as it is that he doesn't want to add to You're her. just making
0: it sound more likely that he killed these
2: people. He did not kill anyone. He was confiding in the occult bookstore lady. Maybe they had a little flirtation they made out one time, but they didn't have sex. That's the whole thing. He couldn't show that side to Beth. He was afraid to. Okay, so let me, let me uh, play into no, yours a little uh, bit.
0: Maybe he wanted about to the kill his wife. Okay. Because she was the depressive one and always dragging him down.
2: Uh, let me address the house, Dave. The extra house. <laughs> yeah. There was no extra house. There was a bunch of beams. There was a shack in the woods that was all like, it had that um, plastic tarp. There was a, a, a shack with some tarps and some beams. But what about it the wasn't totem? A house. What about the totem? Do you think, how come all of a sudden she started seeing the lights from the house across from the lake out of nowhere one day? Don't you think she would have seen the lights from that house before? It's all upstairs, man. There was no house there. There was a shack in the woods, and she convinced herself that of all this crazy stuff, bodies under the shack, all this,
1: so, didn't happen. Well, I'd like to get back to this movie.
2: Fine. Well, I was trying if, to yeah, draw they, the thank parallel. Thank you, Trent, for yes. the bonus addendum uh, well, yeah. to last week's
0: episode. But I do appreciate that. But my point is, that. same
2: thing in this movie. It's all in their minds. They create all these things because they can't accept or understand the loss.
1: Or, or they're being created by someone for the, the benefit. I think the thing I liked about this is that uh, the mom was so um, consumed with not having closure and, and then you have that and the identification of the dead body, which is, again, a loophole. It's such a huge production loophole to have, like, you know, usually when there's a dummy in a movie, that's a dead body or whatever, or some sort of practical effect. The thing is, is you're like, oh, that doesn't really look like them. That looks a little different. It's a little off. And in this, it lends itself to that. So, like, you know, practical effects are easier when it's a little distorted. doesn't it look exactly like... It's bloated and, and yeah. decomposed. And, yeah. like... Like, maniac. There's, like, this little, his, t- uh the head at the end is a little sus. You know, for me, one of the
0: weird things for me, I think, as a parent, is, like, even before they knew that Matthew was, I think it was before they knew that Matthew was doctoring everything, they let him go on, like, this three-week tour.
2: With Ray, the with, psychic. With Ray, yeah, yeah.
0: Kimity like, the psychic. Like, yeah, go ahead, just take our, we just lost our daughter in a freak accident in Lake Mungo. Yeah, take our son. We barely know you, and you're a weird psychic. Uh, well, but go ahead take matthew
1: on a, a road trip now getting back to my my word of the day <laughs> uh paradolia uh that's essentially what is being possibly experienced in this by alice by alice is, herself is paradolia yes um without t- talking too much she's exp- she might be experiencing although we see it too so I guess we see it. We no, see it on her phone video. Yeah, we need right. to spoil that. I mean, this. I already gave.
0: It's you. You can't not talk. Yeah, about Yeah. So this, we're you're moving
2: moving beyond where Matthew. They think at one point you think that the son Matthew has created all this stuff, uh, but he didn't. At one that, point you kind of think he might have been in on it. Well, he did. I, he did. He did. He did some. Yes. He
0: did all. It's just that at the very end, they show you like did, the photos and the video where. He's doctored it, but then they point out where Alice really is there, right, so I guess the whole and it the links whole to the mind neighbor. Fuck of the movie is and there are many is Alice dies. We think she's a ghost, oh, she's not a ghost, oh,
2: she really was a ghost. she was haunted by her own ghost ahead of her own
1: death is kind of where you land, um, which is the biggest fucking nightmare ever, like to think about like yeah. some weird existential nightmare <laughs> like.
2: That was also kind of similar. Again, it's the same as the night house, like even down to like being haunted from the spirit, from the other side coming and whispering in your ear, like the what what happens in the night house. Same thing happens here with Alice. She's sort of like being haunted by her own specter, the ghost of herself, um, before she dies. Um, I thought the neighbor stuff pretty hot. That that was like a little bit too much for
0: me. That's that's the one thing I will say. It's a little bit too much for me. So like, you know, Alice dies, they think she's a ghost, they find out her brother's manufacturing that. They find the psychic, then they, all of a sudden it's mom that sees one of the videos, there's another person hiding in the video and she recognizes that as the neighbor. Then she finds out that Alice has been babysitting the Tuwee's children and that the Tuwee's have groomed her to have three sex tapes. Alice has hidden a sex tape that they had. I mean, that may have been like one too many twists for me. And don't get me wrong, I love this movie, but that was like uh, one too many, like, oh
2: my God. It just, it was so tawdry and like weird that I just, I liked that that was in there. And there's a, like a really awful, like amateur sex tape that you get a little peek at that was like pretty realistic again. Um, I, I like that. It was just kind of illustrating like, all that you don't know—it's both. You know, this movie is about the unknowable, and like trying to know the unknowable is just—it's a path, it's a dead end, and it's a path to whatever the word was you were talking about, Dave. When you're trying to Aridolia. do that, same as the Nighthouse, you're you're trying to wrap your mind around things that you will never know. And so that whole the the thing with the neighbors, I think, just was there to illustrate how much you didn't know about Alice, how much her own family didn't know, and what a different side, like her friend says, she she kept secrets and she kept secrets about the secrets like we didn't really know who she was and you never really know you know everything that anyone is you really even after we all die there'll be things that people never knew about all of us you know
0: yeah this is a hell of a directorial debut i can't for believe somebody it. that who, w- the- who wrote and directed it yeah uh and to put this together the way that it was it's uh i think from a parental perspective, from a horror fan perspective, from a true crime fan perspective, this is, is really impressive.
1: It's like the difference between, you know, uh, recording something really hi-fi like this, trying to make it expensive. I feel like they're just going off the cuff and having all this grimy footage. Like, people usually, the, the grimy stuff isn't grimy enough. And in this, it's totally yeah. believable the entire time. We gotta track
2: down Joel Anderson. If Joel Anderson, if you're out there, what are you doing? Where's the next? This was
1: a great yeah, movie. We can, we I, read, I read. I read three thousand dollars to make another movie. Yeah. I, I
0: read some articles <laughs> that said that he hates doing interviews yeah. and he hated all that stuff. So oh, I really? don't think he's somebody that would doesn't want to be found. To be able to, uh, wow, you know, he's not as friendly as Mike P. Nelson. <laughs> well, who
2: is? Yeah, true. I mean, I, we'd like to fund your next feature. Yeah.
0: All right, the next movie that we're going to talk about this week finally hit U.S. streaming on Shutter on May 12th. So we're talking about it about a week after. But this is The Sadness, written and directed by Rob Jabaz. And this is a Taiwanese film, but Jabaz, interestingly, is a Canadian filmmaker. This is his feature debut. And holy shit, this one's been hyped in the horror world for quite a while, and it has a very, very simple premise. You have Jim and Kat, who are a couple. They wake up one day to find themselves already in the middle of a pandemic, which is very timely. Obviously, this movie was written during the pandemic, and... Somehow the virus or the sickness has mutated into a very 28 days later type sickness that is turning people into, I guess it, it basically takes every single dark urge that you've ever had and it makes you simultaneously cry and take tremendous pleasure in in acting out these terrible, terrible things that you want to do to people. So Jim and Kat have been separated at the beginning of the film, and the film is each of their journey as they try to reconnect uh, it's been called one of the most depraved movies of all time. Uh, it's been called a zombie movie. I don't really think it's a zombie movie. These no, people are like very really. much alive, and they yeah. retain all of their motor skills, everything that you could do. They talk, you, and they before before have. Before you got the sickness, yeah, they have their facilities about them. Um, this was a fun watch. I, I only just got to see this yesterday. It's very concise. Um, I I was. Expecting because I'm a huge fan of foreign horror. I'm a huge fan of anything that's coming out of the Asian market since you know around like Train to Busan. I think I was expecting a little bit more of a Train to Busan feel because it it does revolve around a couple that are trying to reconnect. So I think yes. I expected my heartstrings yep. to be pulled a little more. Me too. This movie has no interest in that. No. It just wants to be super super gross. And kind of leave you, like, standing on your head. With that being said, once I figured that out and thought about the movie a little bit more, and we're watching it again now, uh, it's a splatter fest. It's a horror fan's dream. Nice job by Rob Jabaz. Uh, Love seeing, you know, the Taiwan market start to, like, poke its head into the horror game. Uh, And it's all practical effects. Like everything I looked up said it was like 99% practical, which blows my mind because I knew that going into the movie, but watching the amount of blood, I was like, this has to be like 50% like CGI blood. Uh, It's not. It's really just like a truly gross movie. It's very political um, but, but but like I said, like it's very concise. It's, it's like 99 minutes long. It uh, doesn't take you much time to get through. You're not going to have to use a whole lot of brain space. Uh, it thumps you over the head with like the whole pandemic conspiracy theory, government stuff. Uh, but hey, <laughs> I hope that uh, this guy keeps doing movies
1: because I really, really like this one. I was anticipating this movie so much. The Hype Machine... I am very susceptible to <laughs> and, and like marketing. You're I just borderline really fall- obsessed.
2: You got obsessed with this movie like yeah. a year
1: ago. <laughs> um, and it was even though I had an expectation of this that was very high, I didn't know what to expect. Um, as far as like the trailer just shows a lot of like right before brutality, so you kind of know what you're in for it wasn't the goriest movie of you know, all the tra- time. It was the very... trailer
0: is interesting in that it's like, it shows you basically the first like five minutes of the movie.
1: Yeah, I thought that the trailer gave away a little bit too much, especially with the weight. But, um, you know, I, I expected maybe something a little bit like Tokyo Gore Police uh, over the top like that. But it wasn't. It was like just splatter, bloody fun. And I liked it. It was like, Zombies with an imagination, because even though it was like their, you know, their dark impulses, uh, it was also like they're they they explained it. They're like creative part of their limbic part of their brain that that affects that. It, it, it gives them an imagination, and they're like gleeful about about just like you know raping and pillaging. Um, which I think would have been a much better title. Eating fingers. I, I I didn't understand the title. Like, there's nothing sad. It's because the crying.
2: Oh, okay. It's because not everyone, but there are certain scenes where, when the, when the virus like fully takes over them before they're about to commit some sort of act, they start crying. They have like tears coming down their face. That's why it's called the sadness.
1: I liked how simple this was. Like when you start watching it. After, like, the first couple kills and, like, creepy uh, people that you see, you start to realize, okay, this movie is going to be, you know, not as deep as I may have expected it to be. This is going to be a simple, fun bloodbath. And I thought that was cool about it. The quote was,
2: this is the most violent and depraved zombie movie ever made. That's the quote that like we kept seeing. What's Fangoria? I think you have quoted. It was Rumorg, Rumorg magazine. Yes. Okay. Okay. Which? Okay. This is not by any stretch the most violent or depraved zombie movie I've ever seen. I mean, maybe if your concept of zombie movies is much more recent, I don't know, than mine, um, and and I would take issue with even the definition of zombie movie. So. I, I would forget all of that. Um, it, it's it's a zombie movie in that like twenty eight days later, is a zombie movie, which these these people have more um, facility I think than any than the zombies in there's that. There's no eating movie, though. There's, there's no eating. That's true. There's no right. They're killing. They're biting,
0: and there's like there's some cannibalism. You know and what? Stuff, it's but more, but again, It's
2: more like the Crazies. Right. It's much more like The Crazies than that. Um, And and it is like it's blood drenched. There's tons of blood. There is a lot of um, there is some like sexual violence. There is a scene where there's uh, an eye fucking where somebody somebody had their eye gouged out and then somebody else fucks it. No, it's the same person. Well, yeah, that's same what I'm person comes back.
0: Oh, oh, he was later the one in the that, movie.
2: Oh, was he the one that gouged? Th- he was the one that gouged the eye, oh, and then okay. later
0: in the movie, he comes back and is like, "Why don't I just stick my dick in that?"
2: Yeah, that was one um, problem I had with the idea of like the dark impulses come out. You know, like I don't have you ever had a dark impulse to skull fuck someone? I mean maybe don't answer that but I have I, if I <laughs> I have you said I, it, was it, I have, have. Maybe don't no I said answer. I haven't oh you said I have <laughs> no I'm saying like if if I was being taken over by a virus that would release all my dark impulses I would be like let's find tucker carlson's house in Maine. <laughs> he lives here like let's find uh, oh, that how guy. noble let's get i him. don't know and what like,
0: would get us in more trouble right now admitting that we want to skull fuck somebody or trying to find tucker Carlson. i think house. that would that's where i would go i
1: Try would to probably like, just masturbate while driving off a cliff like <laughs> it's, <probably> like,
2: <laughs> it's no. the end of dave uh, uh, no. uh, i want to break kneecaps I wanna oh, make really? I wanna make Ugh. Tucker Carlson cry, make him beg, you know what I mean? Make him plead that, for his life true. and and just slowly break every bone in the body. You know, that that's the direction I would go in, not so much skull fucking, but to each their own. Um yeah, train to Busan same. Um, I was missing the the personal story, I guess. And like I criticize a lot of horror movies that I think like try to make too much of that. Like they get so wrapped up in going through the motions and are not really even doing it that that well. Like, this isn't a drama, you know? I'm not, this isn't um, my left foot here, you know? Like, we don't really need to pretend that this is some, you know, important drama. We just are here for the good stuff. But this movie, to me, almost like, I wish it had more of that. There really was no emotional connection, you know, to this the story. This
1: relationship, the guy on the subway. The businessman. Yes, th- I think the dynamic and the development of this is what the story is kind of about. When you talk about the impulses and all that stuff, because he's trying to strike up conversation with this Bef- before pretty young he's girl. he's sick,
0: he's trying to. He's trying
1: right. to. And he's, he's old. He's an old, much older guy, and he starts trying to flirt
2: with this like, much younger woman on the subway who's just trying to read a book. Yeah, and
0: that's cat. That's, that's our part of our half of our couple. And there really isn't much of a cat.
2: You never, just, you never moving. get to, you never get to an emotional core of Cat and is it Jim? Yeah, Cat and Jim. You never really get to the emotional core of their separation. The whole movie is that they're separated at the beginning and they're trying to reunite. And she loses her phone at one point and all this, but you
1: never get anything close to something like Train to Busan, which we, does. You know, we lost him for a really big part of the movie. Like yes. I was waiting for the. Every yes. time they'd show just, like, the phone interactions for him to actually see what's going on with him. Like, yeah. maybe. But, I mean, they did surprise us at one
0: point. You so. keep going between Jim and Kat as they're trying to get together. And it's really, instead of being emotional like we talked about, it's a series of the bucked up things that they see happen to other people. Kat a little bit less because... You know, she is trying to help the woman who had her eye gouged out by the businessman. She's trying to get her to hospital. Jim is just literally on his little scooter going through a series of increasingly fucked up situations where he sees people that are sick torturing those who aren't. Uh, Another thing I thought that was interesting is that the people that have the virus, they don't go after one another. They almost like band together... And like increase their acts that's, of violence. Yeah, that's and where it's like zombie.
2: Like that's where it's more like zombie yeah, style. Yeah, maybe,
0: maybe, but they're not zombies. They're not
2: dead. Yeah, but that, that's where it's similar. It's just like Shaun of the Dead, where if you pretend you're a zombie, they don't go after you. Another another area I think similar to the the lack of an emotional core is the pandemic commentary. Is like about an inch deep. I mean, it's pretty there's loose. it's so close, like. They do things like they show people like uh, Jim and Cat, uh, Cat's neighbor at the beginning. He he doesn't really believe in the pandemic. He's like, "Oh, it's just the government's trying to drive down stock prices so that people on the inside can buy them." And uh, there's other talk like that through the movie of people that are skeptical of the of the pandemic, of how serious it is, and um, scientists that were like trying to hide how serious it is or whatever. But it doesn't really go. That doesn't really go anywhere with that either. It's and, and that's fine. I, I loved this movie. I thought it was great, and especially for a first-time filmmaker. But there are these opportunities throughout the movie where we would expect that it would go, you know, a little deeper, and it just doesn't.
0: Well, I mean, they do the government thing in the beginning, and then they have like the. The scene with the president,
2: yeah, 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 where
0: they show like the president on TV, yeah, and everyone's watching, and like I, I, I'm confused, like how everyone is so chill in some scenes in this movie, like the subway car scene with Cat and the businessman when all hell breaks out on a on a subway, everybody is way too chill for way too long in that scene. That's like, true, I would that's have true. been <laughs> losing my shit. Seated. They're <laughs> seated, yeah, yeah, and they're and, and, and some people are just like, what's happening? What's going on? Well, there's fucking blood everywhere. Like,
1: right, get up on the and steal a cord or find <laughs> yeah. a driver.
0: And the same thing happens at the hospital. Uh, and those, those two sets were built for this movie because of the pandemic. They couldn't actually film on a subway and they couldn't find a hospital to film in. But even in the hospital, like, they're at the hospital and, like, people are fucked up around them. And on TV, like, they see the president get his friggin' head ripped off. And everyone's still just like, um, "What's happening?
2: Where I, should we go?" Yeah. And like, Cat's the only one that like stands up and like runs off. I kind of excused some of that. Um, the subway, I excused it because um, a lot of the people have uh, AirPods in. And they're looking at their phones, and they're listening to music. They're kind of being like the, the oblivious. Makes that
0: comment. Actually, he does make that comment. This like is everyone's. kind of like
2: the oblivious um, public society, where everybody's mm-hmm. like wrapped up in whatever they're doing, and right behind you, somebody's getting shivved in the neck, but you don't know until the blood actually hits you. Uh, and same thing for with the 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 scene where the president is on TV. Um, I think that it's just kind of a, a little bit of a numbed populace. You're like, wh- what are you gonna do? You know, are you really gonna? Start screaming, you're just going to sit there and be like, oh, wow, that's crazy. But it is a
0: light touch, like you said, Yeah. It's a light touch that they don't really... Like, we're thinking about it more than the movie is even trying to make you think about it. Yes. Like, it's not very well executed. No. And that, like you said, there's no eating. Like, right there, we're watching this. There's some chomping. There's a guy licking somebody's, like, flayed ankle.
2: Well, and the guy eats um, the the sawed-off fingers of... you know, Jim gets his two of his fingers cut off and a guy
1: eats them. So. After saying, Don't worry about your girl, I'll finger her for you. <laughs> I I think that this uh may not be the most depraved or savage movie ever, no. No. but I do think it is entered firmly in the classics of yes. this type of movie. I think from a depravity
0: standpoint, this is some of the most vile dialogue. Yeah. Especially uh, towards women. Yeah. That we will True. see. True. It's really, yeah. really bad. Yeah. Uh, and then, the, like, when I was reading on this, uh, obviously we've been anticipating this for a long time, I was like, oh, man, like, there's so much talk about, like, how intense, like, the rape scenes and stuff are. Um, They do, I, I, I will say, for Jabaz, like, nice job from a directorial standpoint. Whether or not you agree that the content has to be there he he does leave most of it off
2: screen it's not yeah it's but not the particularly first, graphic the first rape anyway is not what you're thinking
0: yeah it does not happen to somebody that you would traditionally think oh right. so right. there's a rape scene in this nope
2: it's kind of equal opportunity <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and it's not particularly graphic i mean it's nothing i mean we have seen way worse like sexual violence i mean obviously way worse than this I and mean, we're kind of jaded so again i guess if your conception of like wild horror is like sinister movies and the conjuring and stuff this would be shocking maybe in some ways but um yeah walk in the park for me i don't know
1: i i really like what's happening right now is uh, he's savoring his kills He's like looking at the blood and I, I really like the way they look when they get sick. Their, their eyes turn all black. Yeah, it's all black like eyes, pie-eyed yeah. and it's very it's kind of a subtle change but uh, they just bring out the worst in their, their face. This guy's all sweaty but um, I, I just like the way they portrayed and the way everyone acts when they get the virus. I thought all of that was very consistent all the way through you know. Well,
0: we've had a lot of discussion on the show recently, and I think for the life of the show, about head explosions.
2: Oh, the pre- great the head pres- The president this.
0: one with the yeah. grenade. That oh. was a really good head explosion. The and they one. employ some of, like... What we just—it was very about. Savini-like. It yeah, was like Maniac. It's some yeah. some
2: slow mo involved. Flaps. so you the could the flaps. See, they like. had a, <laughs> the Maniac flaps. Uh, yes. I think,
0: if anything, for a movie made, you know, in 2021, you know, just getting to us in 2022, to have this much practical effects is very impressive. Yeah, it, uh, it really is. And, and the score of this, like, I thought the score. Actually, both movies that we talked about, Lake Mungo and the Sadness. I thought the scores were very good, uh, very fitting for, like, the pace of the movie that we were watching. Uh, Because Lake Mungo, like you said, Dave, it's slow, but it had some impactful score moments. This one is just like, go for it. And then the second the movie ends, it's just death metal. Like all the end credits love were just it. over love death the metal. end <laughs>
2: credit that reminded me of Funny Games. The beginning of yeah. Funny Games, yeah, where the, the title overhead. card comes up and it's the most abrasive metal ever. Yeah, I need to see more of that. There isn't enough abrasive metal in horror.
1: You would think there would be more, really. It, but it goes from like classical music in the car, yeah, to right. metal to the death like metal. Yes, and it's like a beautiful uh, like overhead drone shot. Yeah, um, yeah, I love that too. So you get that. You get that at the end. I really appreciated that.
2: I, I mean, I think for the. Mostly, I just think this is a huge get for Shudder. It illustrates how far Shudder has come since it was an upstart because, you know, we talked about how long we waited for this movie and who finally brought it to us. Who got the deal done? Shudder. Exclusive. Um, there's a great article about Shudder right now. in. Um, it's like an online like business magazine called Fast Company. And it tells the whole story of Shudder from when we first found Shudder. Dave, you subscribed and we all shared it. And um Hey, 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 let's not give away our, our trade secrets. We all well, we yeah, we all found we all found it a little bit lacking. Like we all kind of splashed around in there and you'd go on there and be like, ah, I haven't seen shrooms before. You know? <laughs> right. It was like kinda it was pretty lackluster. And then I remember one day finally it was gone and you said, Dave, like can't really justify, you know, you're paying for this, you're paying for that, can't really justify the shutter service. And then it wasn't until we started the podcast and I was like, all right, let's give it another shot. And since then, it's like gotten crazy. So anyway, this whole article in Fast Company, you should really read it if you're into this stuff. Uh, If you just search Fast Company Shutter, it tells a story of um, Craig Engler coming on board to shutter as their general manager in 2018. That I think was really like the turning point. He um, made the movie or the the series uh, Z Nation for Sci-Fi. Okay, what he did before he came to Shutter, and when he came to Shutter, um, he was his his approach was like I should be a subscriber to this service, but I'm not because you haven't really impressed me at all. Like. Why aren't you getting me? You know, everyone like me should be subscribing. And he came in and they were talking about at one time broadening the, uh, the scope to be all genre movies, like have Asian action movies and have Western stuff and whatever. And he resisted all that. And he said, like, we don't need to go wider than horror. We just need to play more in horror. We need to, like, think bigger. We need to get more stuff. And, then the, and the main thing was, like, original content getting these movies and he says in that article that uh that shutter is out there they're looking at every movie almost in production out there a lot of them at the script stage they'll hear about a movie being made wow before they're even filming shutter is on the scene they're like what is this? Is this, you know, something that we might be interested in? And so they're out there, like, looking at all this stuff and, you know, got them the sadness. And that's really, to me, that's really what's made the difference of the, the shutter service made it, like, indispensable.
0: Well, they, and they've they been for foreign horror. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, Impedagore comes to mind.
1: Yes. I like how there's documentaries about horror uh, that have the history of all these movies, and then you can watch the movies on the same service.
2: Yeah, the and, the, uh, the horror and war documentary that was yeah. an early thing that
1: Angler brought in, and the folk horror. Well, what um, well,
2: I, I think I was thinking
0: Fangoria, Trent, when when you were talking about like the Rue Morgue, they just it just popped up on Shutter, like they're showing the Fangoria the, the Chainsaw Lords. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's There's, shit yeah. that I'm gonna actually sit down and watch. Like yeah. that's
1: cool. And also the way they, they categorize things and they have guest curators. Sometimes I actually
0: just like opening up the app. And when you open the Shutter app on most platforms, they're just already playing a movie.
2: Shutter TV. And I have that's friends one who of are the like, features. Oh, I'll yeah. just start watching that. Yeah, I like, love the Shutter TV feature. It's kind of like it it throws me back to like a less deliberate time of watching movies when you could just like flip around and see what's on AMC or TMC right. or whatever. Like so they have the Shutter TV. <laughs> um option just turn it on and some movie is on they just curate their own movies and if you don't want to like make the choice and scroll around and spend half the time you would have watched you know half of a movie and like trying to figure out what to watch you can do that so um also they do podcasts now shutter holla, (laughs) shutter's here um yeah uh, eli roth has a, a podcast on Shutter, um, a bunch oh, of
0: like they just turned like his history of horror into like a podcast. Yeah. Like well, that's a sure. that's a that's like a dateline thing to go back to the Yeah, last... I mean it's not
2: like it's not like speak all evil or, you know, something of that sort of creative original content level.
1: No. Um they they added recently uh Friday the thirteenth Documentary that's six hours long, and it's not presented
0: on and out There, like Cri- wow. crystal lake. Crystal lake, lake re- yeah, like- it's not
1: presented uh, as a series. It's just a six hour long. <laughs> yeah, you guys have never
0: <laughs> you guys have never gone through that. No, I, I have God, it on no. here
1: sometimes. On Friday the thirteenth, I celebrated. Wow, uh, in the background of the studio, the six hour uh, Damn. documentary was on, but I didn't watch it closely. But I did know a lot of the the history already. Uh, from stuff that I had they read, have I they've
2: thought. done the In Search of Darkness series like, covering all the 80s horror like everything that you know that we want to talk about um, the um, days dark and bewitched the folk horror, that was like a three hour documentary well
0: and don't they have like the uh, cursed films series yes. right cursed films yeah which is great because it's like. Nah, nothing's cursed. But we'll just tell you some fucked up <laughs> shit that happened. I, li- I like that series a lot for how like not uh, exploitive. <laughs> exploitative. It's it is. a little thin, maybe, but no, I don't think it's thin at all. I think it's actually very transparent. Like, hey, nothing here is cursed. We're just gonna tell you some shit that happened.
1: You know, I I looking at this movie right now, I I realize that uh, there's nothing in this gore wise. I if you told me Tom Savini did it, I would believe you. It's very much the traditional, just blood. It's all the gags. It's it's in, yeah. a, in a way. It's a huge tribute to yes practical effects yep. uh, that we don't see that often anymore. So yep. if there is an artistic merit to this, it's not maybe in the story or the character arc and all that stuff. It's in that grandiose tribute to. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah because and, yeah.
0: And speaking of the, you know, like the movie itself also suffers. I think in the third act, pretty hard when Kat gets to the hospital and eventually finds herself in the baby ward with, you know, you always have the one guy, the doctor that has to explain everything. I thought that like for a 90 minute movie, I thought that dragged a ton and was like a little bit too much like exposition. Like, let me explain everything to you right now. Yeah. And, but, and, and also like pull some other plot threads out about like how fucked up, you know, he is. Um, I thought it was a little bit too late for the sadness to start to bring up the point of, are we this fucked up before we have the virus or are we always this fucked up? Yeah. And then it starts to bring up the whole point of like potential immunity and all of that. And then are they trying to like talk about like relationships? issues like uh, is the first thing you think is to kill like your significant other if you got this virus I like, like mom and dad the, the third act for this was a little <laughs> bit slow yeah.
1: and a little bit packed in <laughs> for me yeah um, I think it's proxy it's just proximity like you're you're near the screwdriver you're the closest one to stab
2: yes I, I, I think I didn't but think d- of that though that's that is like kind of a mom and dad thing like when
1: you're <laughs> we you're were reduced... talking about cats uh, <laughs> creepy crawly things we always had you know like the the spider that has intention. We thought that was funny or whatever. This is like the same type of thing with zombies because of the intent. And they're, they're like coy. They're not like dummies, you know? So that, that makes it interesting too. I did think the third act, uh, with the, the doctor and all that was a little weird and it got, it cheapened it a little bit, but
2: I didn't mind that. I mean, I think that this is absolutely is a classic of its subgenre. Um, I think this is up there with, you know, any, it may not be zombie, but in, infection, contagion, crazed. Th- this is, I think, something that people will still be talking about 10 years, 20 years.
1: All, all the yeah. lists that I read about most extreme films, I'm going to have to go about, buy this because I've already seen it.
2: <laughs> yeah, this, yes. is not, this
1: yes. probably
0: won't make, like, my uh, like top five, or if we do, like, a Speak All Evil You know, top four. Each of us pick, like, our top movie of 2022 that we saw. This probably wouldn't make it, but it's definitely going to be one that I revisit, and I'm really curious as to how this endures, like, how this moves on. Yeah. I think
1: it has legs. Great to throw on at a party. (laughs) (laughs) Because you really don't need to know what's going on. Like, right now, like, I'm having the same experience with no the tv on mute i'm not really paying attention but uh it it gets my attention but cinematography wise it looks really it good it looks
2: great and uh, i i loved when the uh the kids are on the the playground. And Jim thinks he's saving a guy because they're they're torturing this guy. These kids on the on the basketball court or something. They're torturing this guy and they're ramming his nuts into a pole. They're picking him up and the pole is wrapped in and barbed then they wire.
0: And they wrapped <laughs> it in barbed wire after apparently doing more nutcrackers. And,
2: yeah, and then so they're like ramming his nuts into a pole, and Jim saves him. And but now he's been it's unclear when, but now he's become infected and he says i was just about to shoot my load what are you doing it's, it's
0: full of so <laughs> many, fucked up, so many <laughs> fucked up quotes so many fucked up quotes so
1: that dispels your theory that you don't well maybe he was infected after
2: yeah i'm not i, I mean but you know the theory unclear. of
1: uh, they don't attack each other right that's right.
2: true that we're attacking him i was thinking that maybe he was he was transitioning wow They were, you
0: know, torturing. Also, speaking of cinematography, it was filmed in 28 Days. Really? It's very similar to 28 Days
1: Later. If they're going to call it the sadness, I feel like I expect some more emotion.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: um, Or, like, you get even dumber, because this was almost like one of my 80s picks. Like, it had that vibe where the story is very shallow, but it's great kills, um, it was almost that classic, but it tries to get a little bit too like thinky. I think you remember, it has to decide um, if it's smart or dumb.
2: You remember Yummy? Yes, this kind of reminded me of Yummy. I mean, I thought yes. Yummy was like just as hardcore as like this, yummy. and had like more character development. I, I think I might prefer Yummy. It was more comedy. The-
1: yeah, 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 yeah. The guy's dick falls off. Yeah, <laughs> he just got his dick attached. Uh, he got a dick enlargement or oh whatever, and it's just barely on there. Yeah. He hasn't recovered from surgery, and he already wants to fuck. Yeah, and it. it gets caught on fire. Yeah. She puts it out with the extinguisher, <laughs> and it falls off on the floor. Oh, see, but That's a- it. Well, you've forgotten about that. We've seen no, classic stuff mov-
2: like that. You don't even remember no. it. You're trying to, you know, listen to these Rue Rue Morgue magazine quotes. Like, come on, now. a movie
0: called Yummy does not make me think I'm going to feel emotions.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> Sadness. That's right, they're opposite, like, kind of. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and especially, like, I, I don't want to keep saying trying to do something, but I will.